You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Emergency Department Podcast. This show may contain information about professional athletes' injuries. It may be descriptive and be unsettling to listeners. The information discussed may at the time of the recording be incomplete and be based on opinion rather than fact. That opinion is and should always be viewed as an opinion only. In short, possible offensive language, injury-based content, not always accurate. If you don't like it, turn it off. Alright, listen up everybody, let's get this riders meeting underway. As you all know, motorcycle racing is dangerous. Riders entering this event do so at their own risk. I'd like to remind you that he is not a doctor. Hey, this is Addison Emery. I'm riding for the Somnium Race Team. And this is the Always Moto Podcast. I'm Brighton Carroll, riding for Team TCD, and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. Hi, this is Dylan Woodcock, riding for All South CMH Stunt Flying Privateer Team, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Cheers, mate. That's right, Moto fans. I am not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist, and this is the Always Moto Podcast. This is episode 12. We are heading for round seven in Minneapolis for the Monster Energy AMA Supercross Series. I'm your host, David Hogan, the physiotherapist from Australia. Welcome to the emergency room. We are reviewing all the injuries as per usual that have happened in the AMA Supercross so far this season. It's been a busy couple of weeks, I'm telling you what. Uh, There's lots to report on. And look, last week at Anaheim 3 was no different. And if you've watched the the Supercross, and I'm assuming you have if you're listening to this, holy crap, what happened there? The bloody whoops got them something severe this week. All the riders, just about everyone, except probably Christian Craig, maybe Eli and Jason um, weren't struggling with them. But even Eli and Jason in that... uh, 450 main event had a few issues getting through them but bloody hell it took a few victims last week that whoop section so there's a few crashes in there we'll get straight into those things and just review what happened for those guys but they're mostly all okay so these guys had issues in that that section of the track in the 250 race that was uh jalik swall he uh had to by the look of it retire another helmet um he had to his anaheim collection he's from anaheim one from that one that he got knocked out with the one from anaheim three and the crash in the whoops it looks like he smashed that whole front of the helmet in a little bit interesting how that crash has occurred i've been talking with one of the guys on uh on instagram and we're both sort of a bit eh, on how that crash crash has got to that helmet looking the way it has but he definitely looks like he goes head first down into the bottom of the whoops at least on the angles that i've been able to see and, and review quickly during the week so he smashed that front of the helmet in um it's retired but by the look of it um i've already seen earlier in the week that he's been back out already on the bike testing for outdoors for the team husky guys so obviously nothing's too serious there for him I will say, though, I'm a bit surprised with some of these guys these these first few weeks of Supercross when they're posting up 
these images and, and, and videos of, of their helmets and how, how they've taken these impa- these impacts, I should say, I was going to say impacts, but it's, in, in, it's an impact. Um, these impacts have not, not been little by the look of what their helmets look like. Um, and I'd, I'm surprised that then they haven't been put onto at least a concussion protocol or at least been forced to redo the impact screening, the online screening system that the AMA has in place for their concussion protocols testing um, to just double check things. It, it's a safety issue, right? Like it's not that I'm trying to get somebody rubbed out here. It's just a safety thing. Like it, it takes them 20 minutes or something to do the, the impact test which is all online, they might pass those things when they do the, you know, on the track side, quick screens with the with the dock and, you know, follow the finger and can you balance on one leg and all that sort of business. But why not put them on the online test and just double check before they go off and do anything else potentially hazardous, you know, or get a second impact, which is always worse um, for these guys. So, look, it's just just a bit of a comment there from my side of things, you know, as a, as a physio and a health professional, it's just a little bit bizarre that they're not maybe putting these guys through a little bit more of a test, especially, like I said, there's been multiple times I've seen these images of helmets from, from the first few rounds, and, and they are absolutely trash, these helmets. You're not putting them back on your head, uh, but these guys are out riding you know, the next day, you know, no, no worries sort of thing. I'm sure there's something that's gone on there, but um, just like to see them get put through a little bit more, more testing more, more often um, just to make sure they're all safe. So another rider that got caught up in that Jalik swell crash, uh, Nate Thrasher, he went down as well. Um, he wasn't able to continue. Um, he seems to be okay. There's been nothing from him uh, this week. I'm assuming he's just enjoying his West Coast break, not having to get to the track this week. So he should be okay. Another one that went down in that same section, but later in the event, our Aussie boy, Hunter Lawrence, Big over-the-bars effort there for Hunter. Um, managed to roll out of it not too bad. Um, he's been seen, and if you're paying attention to any of the social media stuff, he's been seen on his uh, uh, media, what do you call it? His, uh, his manager, his manager's uh, Instagram stories during a Super Bowl party. Looked pretty healthy to me, um, so that's a good sign for Hunter. If you watch the crash too, there's certain aspects of, of any crash that are what cause an injury. One is obviously how fast you're going when it's occurring. Another one is whether it's a twist or, or you know an awkward position that you end up into, as in that the bike follows you and pushes pressure on one thing as you're twisting another way. The other is the sudden stop. And now that's a that's a Jeremy Clarkson thing. If you've ever watched Top Gear, he always has this saying that it's not the speed that will kill you. It's the coming to a sudden stop that will get you. And it's exactly right. It's not the speed that gets you. It's the fact that you stop instantly. And so Hunter managed to just sort of get over the top of that next whoop. He didn't go into the bottom of it like Jalik did with his head, sort of go straight down and and stop. Um, Hunter managed to keep sort of continuing over the top of it, but I think he still caught his his chest and his ribs. And that's what I think initially, and I, I don't have this for sure because I haven't been able to get in touch with anyone to confirm it. But it looked to me like he was just sort of winded, um, you know, from the impact on the chest as he went through. But it's hard to tell because normally when you're sort of winded, you're either, 
you know, holding your chest or, or laying on the floor trying to gasp for air, but he was sort of in a braced position on his hands and knees. And look, that can still be from the winding. When you put your hands down and you're sort of bracing on your hands to hold yourself, you can use what they call auxiliary muscles to help you open up your chest more um, than, norm- than just normally, you know, expansion and, and that and contraction from your rib cage. You start using some other muscles because you cheat and use your you reverse engineer the muscle. So rather than it contracting for your shoulder aspects, it ends up pulling on the other end uh, and, and trying to pull the, the rib cage out. So he might have been doing that in that position, um, but that's what it looked like to me. But good good signs, no matter what it was in the end, uh, it seems that he is all okay, A-OK for, for the break. And I would expect to see him next week out and about doing outdoors testing. So good news for Hunter as well. Some of the guys that didn't make it out of there so well. So let's go through the list here, guys, from Anaheim 3. Um, first and foremost, I'm going to just mention one that I, I don't think was actually... I think he came into the into the round with this injury, but he's dropped it during the press conference after A3. Uh, Michael Moseman on that Troy Lee gas gas, he's reported that he came in, that he's had he's been dealing with a broken hand. Now, I'm going to guess that he broke that hand when he crashed at Glendale off that uh, over the, the bridge jump when he went down pretty hard there at the end. So I'm going to guess that's when that happened, which would mean that he's you know a week or so of dealing with that and just wanted to get through, obviously, this last West Coast round before the break into the East Coast. If all goes well and it's only sort of one of his metacarpals, not necessarily the carpals, which the carpals are the wrist bones, the metacarpals are basically the palm of your hand. So if it's one of the metacarpals, it should only be about a four-week recovery. And depending on which one it is, uh, he might not need any work done or anything. If he does need to get it plated, it might even shorten it even more and be only sort of a two- or three-week thing. Um, doesn't sound like he'll do much. He's probably just going to let it rest for a couple of weeks and then he'll be straight into outdoor testing. The main two injuries that I want to talk about from Anaheim 3 that everyone probably was wondering what was happening with. And one, unfortunately, we still don't really know exactly what's happening with. I've reached out to the team and I'm in talks with their PR uh, manager about getting him on for for an episode or, or at least a short interview that I can then confirm what the hell went on there but it's joe shimoda so that pro circuit kawasaki rider he went down pretty hard in that heat race um it was a bit of a scrub gone wrong massively really like you know the traction obviously wasn't there he even went so far that i initially thought he might have just grabbed the foot peg but uh it seems like he just didn't underestimated the traction he had but initially and this is the part that's a bit mm, for me and it's sort of what made me start doing all of these sorts of injury reviews and reports is because I got sick of listening to these updates from riders or from teams that said, oh, he's A-OK. And then you see that he's got a broken arm or a broken leg or, or, you know, oh, he's just banged up, but he's actually torn his ACL. Those updates for me were shit. So I started wanting to put out some more information. And if, you've still, if you're still, if listening to this podcast, you're probably following me on Instagram. And if you're not, you should be. And it's always.moto on Instagram. But I try to give you guys more information about that injury that's occurred. And in this instance, the team was crap at the beginning of the week, unfortunately, um, putting out that he had no significant injury. Now, terminology is an interesting thing, right? significant injury or or no significant injury now what's a significant injury for me it would be classed as 
you are got something wrong that makes you can't ride the next day. If you can't get up the next day after the race and get back on the bike, you've got a significant injury. Yes, there's obviously then grades of that, you know, torn muscle, you know, sprained ankle, broken bone, different grades. But it's significant in the sense that you can't ride the bike. So being it, when they said that it was not significant, I'm like, all right, sweet, we'll be outdoor testing this week. Well, bow, bow. Um, next next thing you see is a post from Joe a day later and he's got a moon boot on his foot and he's on crutches and he's going into a chiropractic office. Now, don't get me started on chiropractors. I'm a physio and chiropractors, you know, it's like butting heads. It doesn't work, right? Different opinions, different times. Maybe another podcast we can get into it. But he's going into a, you know, a treatment option uh, with a boot on in, on crutches tells me he's got something significantly wrong he's not on his bike so the update was a bit mm, for me so look we don't know exactly what he's done and we possibly won't know exactly what we've done unless the team comes through with our with our reach out request for an interview and hopefully look it, hopefully that comes off um, i'm talking with their pr manager so we're, we're, we're close but we'll see what happens we're still only a you know relatively small podcast here so you know, they're, they've probably got higher priorities for more exposure, but it'd still be nice to get in on that sort of action and, and expose um, some more information to the public for these guys about their injuries and what they're dealing with. So we'll see how he goes. But it looks at this time that he's got some sort of foot, ankle, lower limb issue, whether it's a fracture, whether it's a, a sprain or a you know, torn ligament. We're not 100% sure, but I'm going to guess that it's some sort of fracture in that lower foot, ankle area. Um, so we'll have to see how that goes if it is one of those things he should still be right for when the west coast comes back around it will be about a four or six week recovery time given there's about five weeks to get to the next race for these guys i'm sure he's going to make that somehow um, but he's probably going to have very limited time on the bike if it, especially if it is a fracture of that nature of in that area all right guys uh next one on the list alex martin uh, Alex was unfortunately caught up in a first turn issue with Dylan Ferrandis. Uh, he managed to get the bike or somehow the bar onto his bar and basically rip open his uh, right index finger. Now, he was that was in the heat. He was unable to get back out on track for the rest of the night. It was because the Alpine Star medical crew needed to do a bit of work to him. He had to have his nail bed surgically removed. He had to have his finger all stitched back together and that took a bit of time to clean up and, and obviously complete the stitching. But he has indicated, obviously, this week's round at Minneapolis is probably the closest Supercross for him from his hometown. So he's going to give everything he can to be out there rating, rating, riding um, for that round. So, But he's probably going to have a bit of... Uh, bit of tape and a bit of work done to hold that finger together so that he can get through through the event but he given it's his index finger too not sure whether that's you know his his front brake finger or if he uses his middle finger for that but it's going to affect his grip and affect his control of that front brake so it might be something that slows him down just a little bit we'll have to wait and see on that one guys all right uh next one on the list richard taylor now funnily enough for richard I've been speaking to Richard the week before, um, inquiring about some information that I saw that he's got some very special custom knee braces made up uh, to help him manage a ACL repair that isn't happening because it's been done multiple times before and the recovery period to get it re redone this time was going to be too long for him 
So he decided to try and just manage that aspect of the injury, and I thought that was quite interesting. And it was preparing for him to sort of get some information on these braces and have him on the show from that angle. But then the poor guy's gone down at Anaheim 3 in practice and, or in qualifying. When I say practice and qualifying, they're, they're interchangeable. They're the, the daytime side of things, right? Um, but, yeah, he's gone down. He's broken his radius, uh, which is a forearm bone. Uh, and, and he's told me that he's got a particular type of fracture, which is a Gleazy fracture. Now, this is a type of fracture that for adults, you basically have to get surgically repaired. It won't uh, align well for, for adults, uh, but just based on the fact of movement that will occur through that, even with a cast on. Um, so it's it's something that has to be surgically repaired, and we believe that he's had that done this week. We were trying to get him on for the podcast, but he's probably going to be a guest for a week or two's time once he's a bit more past that surgery. So we'll be able to talk to him about the, the forearm broke, break, and we'll also be able to talk to him about those custom knee braces. But So that fracture also, just so you guys are aware, it's, it's part of part of the radius bone obviously but it's part of what they call the radio ulna joint which is where your forearm can twist over and back on itself so the radius and the ulna twist over the top of each other um, and that creates what we call supination and pronation of your hand which is basically just turning your hand over and, and back put your palm down put your palm up um, and so that's why it has to be surgically repaired because it's a it's a mobile part it's part of a joint not a traditional joint as in like your elbow say which is a hinge but it's part of that um it's a different type of joint let's say it's the simplest way to put it for you guys now if it is surgically repaired it's a six-week recovery time he should be back look all going well he might be back for some of those end rounds of the west coast um just depends on how he feels when he gets back to that point if his fitness is there if his strength is there all those sorts of things so it'd be interesting to see what happens for richard hopefully like i said we can get him on you know in in a week or two's time, just let's see how he all goes with his recovery post the surgery that I believe he's only had sort of within the last 24, 48 hours sort of thing. All right. Next on the list, we've got Jerry Robin. Uh, Anaheim 3 crash as well. Um, he's had a shoulder issue. It's an AC joint sprain. Um, not sure of the grade of this one. We've talked about these injuries plenty before. Um, if you followed any of our stuff previously, they've been quite a common injury in the last few years for a lot of these guys out on track. And look, I, I have to wonder, and this is just an, a, a, one of those opinions that you build up over time, watching it, knowing what the, what sort of protective gear is available out there. It's it's uh, always interesting to me that these guys have started wearing chest protectors, right? But not the traditional chest protector that involves a shoulder cup as well. Now, the chest protector is obviously more just from a roost point of view. For, for me, is what I think these guys are using it for. Not necessarily for the actual rib protection as such in a crash, but more from the roost point of view. Obviously, the 450s are throwing out some pretty heavy pellets there that are going to impact the body, and they probably just don't want to have to deal with that sort of stuff week in and week out. You know, that, that ricochet roost as such, you know, on the body, it's, it's not pleasant. Um, but so the shoulder cup side of things for me is where I think these AC joints might be able to be mitigated a bit more um, in the sense that if you're putting some padding and a protective cup over that area, you're actually increasing some of that absorption and dispersion of forces in a crash that might not then end up with the pressure being straight to that AC joint and cause that ligament to have so much issue. 
So it's just one of my, one of my sort of silly opinions. I say silly. It, it's a little bit educated, a physio degree, all that sort of jazz. But it's just where this is what I think of at this time when, when I hear that these AC joints seem to be coming up quite often. And it sort of then goes into the collarbone fractures as well. Similar idea, I think the same sort of thing. Because it's always from that land on the point of the shoulder. It's just a different angle, whether it's an AC or the actual collarbone break that causes it. But it still would be, you know a bit more protected and forces dispersed from having that shoulder cup on the on the chest protectors there for these guys but they don't seem to wear that sort of stuff at this point in time maybe if they listen to this podcast maybe they might change their mind who knows but anyway so jerry robbins got a got an ac joint sprain uh normally if this is only a minor grade it's sort of a one to two week recovery time for him he did mention in his in his posts that he was quite swollen there but in the same breath, he's then also said that he is going to have the 450 at Minneapolis. So he's going to try and push through and just ride a few of these 450 East Coast rounds. Um, and as we've mentioned before, if, if they can manage the swelling with this injury, it is an injury that is quite manageable with a bit of tape on that area to hold it down. Uh, it does work well with that. Um, and it's only then usually a pain issue. You might get a little bit of weakness towards the end as you fatigue towards the end of a main event. But... It's generally just a pain management thing. So if you can tolerate the pain, you should be able to get through the event. All right. Who else we got here? Oh, look, you know, Josh Hill. Unfortunately for Josh, uh, his injury troubles seem to be continuing for him. It's been you know, a troublesome career for Josh on the injury front. Unconfirmed. Now, this is unconfirmed. There's been a couple of different... And another reason why I started doing these uh, injury review things is that you get multiple information from different media outlets. And I always hated the fact that one could say it was a broken leg and the other one would say it's a broken arm. And you're like, what the hell, people? It's two different completely parts of the body. Anyway, so, so far, the unconfirmed reports, the ones that I'm actually reporting out myself, is that he's got a fractured pelvis and a dislocated hip. Um not sure on where those fractures are in the pelvis or fracture or fractures um, and how bad the dislocation are there's a few factors involved with this one that will make it either you know quite <laughs> let's use that word again significant um, for him in terms of his recovery or it could be less significant so let's run through a couple of those bits that would make it more significant so obviously, depending on where the fractures are will depend on how stable that pelvis is. So if it's in a spot that's lower in the pelvis and they, you know down around the pubis, um, that's an unstable area for it. But it's, uh, if it's up in the side in the ilium, it's not so much of an issue because it's a nice thicker part of the pelvis. If there's multiple fractures in that pelvis, well, then we're in quite a big significant issue. And that, think back to, think back a couple of years to Cole Seeley's crash uh, I believe it was at uh, Tampa that he had that crash uh, and he was in a wheelchair for quite a, quite a number of weeks there and that was a pelvic fracture as well. If we then go to the dislocated hip side of it, if the hip just pops out and pops back in without any other issues, it's a probably a four-week thing. The fractured pelvis, again, if it's a minor fracture, it's probably about a six- to eight-week thing. If there's multiple fractures, we're talking closer to three months. If the hip and the hip one, if it pops out and pops in without too much issue, um, think of Max Folan last year. He had the same sort of thing, came out, went back in completely clean. No issues to the the joint linings that go around the hip there. Um, and he was able to be back on the bike within about four weeks. But if he then also tore part of, if Josh is torn part of his labrum that holds 
the hip into the socket. So there's the bony aspect of this is the ball and socket joint at your hip. Hopefully most of you paid attention to some sort of basic science at school. But on those extensions of those that hip socket is a, a rubbery type cup, like a suction cup, that goes over the ball and holds it in place and it's called your labrum. And that labrum, if it gets a tear in it, can be quite a difficult thing to uh, repair because it's very low blood flow um, and, and it needs surgical intervention. Um, you might need to clean it up, as in cut it out or stitch it back together. Um, so we'll have to see when, once we find out some more details of these this injuries for Josh, uh, what the sort of return time frame is for him. Keep in mind with Josh's injury, Josh was already a fill-in rider on that team Tether KTM bike uh, for Benny Bloss because who he he's been injured since uh, December-ish, collarbone fracture and a tib-fib fracture, I believe. Um, that was the tib-fib part hasn't been really confirmed by Benny um, as yet, but the collarbone definitely. But uh, yeah, so Josh was filling in for Benny. Now, by the time that if Josh has got minor issues with these things, say like minor fracture, minor dislocation aspects with the hip, and he gets back in sort of six to eight weeks, my question is, will that then be that Benny is already back by that point and that ride is already gone? Or will they put out two bikes for those guys to finish off the season? Don't know on that one. We'll have to wait and see, really. Um, But I would suspect that these injuries may put an end to Josh Hill in 2022 for Supercross, particularly given that you know he is a Stark Varg test rider and he's got a few other projects with guys, companies like Monster Energy for free rides sort of things. So I dare say he'll be wanting to be fit and healthy for those other money-making opportunities for him you know, later in the year. So have to see how it all pans out for Josh once we get some more information on that. Another rider for the East Coast that was going to start uh, at this round this week um, but won't be making the start line is Jonah Geistler. Um, apologies on the surname and pronunciation there. Probably probably brutally, brutally did that one. Um, but it's come out that uh, Jonah has got a tib-fib fracture about a week ago. Um, he's had to have surgery on that. Now, the tibia being the load-bearing bone in the lower limb there, has to be put a rod into that when it's surgically repaired to make it stable enough to for the recovery and the bone to actually knit back together neatly. And that will be see him out for about 8 to 12 weeks. So by my calculation, that means he's going to be out for Supercross, um, unfortunately. Um, so that's just another rider that's going to be not on the gate uh, come you know East Coast 250s this weekend. Now that leads me into a couple of the guys that aren't going to be there for this weekend already from the East Coast that got injured in pre-season. So we, just a reminder, that was Brighton Carroll, who we've uh, mentioned and had that little interview from last week. Uh, that also is Ryder Floyd, um, who also is out with some metatarsal fractures. Uh, and Jess Pettis, who we've known has been out for a while, but we haven't had any details on his injury as such. We finally got that information together um, Jess has finally put out a post and confirmed that he actually fractured his collarbone, fractured his scapula, and punctured a lung in his crash whilst training. Now, interestingly enough, that happened about three or four weeks ago for Jess, uh, which all of those aspects, if you if you got the collarbone, even if you didn't get any surgery on these things, the collarbone and the scapula should be about six weeks. The punctured lung should be about six weeks also. So... My way of thinking was be that he would be able to then have that stuff occurred, rehabbed, um, and be retraining already and still make sort of the end half of the East Coast season. But 
Interestingly enough, in his update, he put out that he won't be doing any Supercross this year. Now, that's, look, that's disappointing, but it's also interesting in the sense that he's taking a different view of his injuries. Now, Jess has had a bit of a rough trot with injuries recently. He was meant to ride East Coast Supercross or West Coast or whichever was the coast that they did. I can't remember which ones they started first from last year when they changed it all around. But he was meant to start that, and he and in the qualifying sessions, he did his ACL, so he didn't do that in the first round. And I believe that same thing or similar thing happened to him the year before that with a knee injury as well. So he's had a rough trot at trying to get into these AMA Supercross rounds um, from an injury aspect. So he's obviously just taking a bit of a more conservative approach on his recovery, which might be a good thing for him. He has indicated he'll be back for outdoors. Now, I'm not sure he meant outdoors AMA or outdoors Canadian, but he's saying outdoors. So that's going to be, you know, back ready to go sort of around that May-June point in, point in time. So those three guys, uh, sorry, four guys if you include, so Jonah, Brighton Carroll, Jess Pertis, Ryder Floyd are already out of the East Coast Championship before it even begun. Um, now, what we want to run through, there's been some issues for these East Coast guys that you know were minor, but they're still going to be on the start line. So I thought we'd run through and let you know on what these guys have had before this season started and also a couple of guys that are going to be coming in um, you know as repaired you know repaired from a surgery that happened at the end of last year so so those guys uh, on this list so we know that McAdoo Cameron McAdoo had a crash in December we also know on the same day that Austin Faulkner had a crash in December as well both of these were at public tracks no real details on either of those injuries that were occurred but both of them had multiple weeks rest from from riding because of these crashes um so that's partly why they weren't seen to be ready for west coast rounds um so hence they're on the east we also know that styles robinson uh is coming back from from some issues from outdoors um he had some knee issues during that time he also had some other things that weren't really well documented um so he's had a bit of a rough rough go there Remember that Levi Kitchen on that Star Yamaha also had a fractured scapula in early December and had about five weeks off the bike. And then we move into the guys that had repair work. So we had Jeremy Martin, obviously had that shoulder issue that missed it, made him miss all of Supercross last year, but then also had the scap- uh, scaphoid fracture in his wrist during outdoors um, that also then ended his outdoor season early and he had to have surgery on that. So he's had a bit of a rough and tumble you know, 2021 lead into the start of this season's preparation. We also then have Phil Nicoletti. He had an ACL repair during outdoors, and he's back for the East Coast now. Cody Shock had a collarbone fracture during uh, December, we believe it was, late December, early January, uh, and that made him switch from the West Coast to the East Coast. Um, And then, obviously, Jet Lawrence, our Aussie guy, um, he had that rib issue that made him switch from west to east, that practice crash that everyone's probably seen the video of uh, when he was training in Florida. Nothing broken, but it sounds like he probably either bruised the bones and the ribs or probably maybe did something to do with the rib cartilage, which is the the material between each rib. And that can be more painful than the actual rib fracture in itself. So... But he's, he's been back on the bike for a number of weeks now, looking pretty good. So he should be all right. And the last one on that list there as well that we want to talk about, uh, Jordan Smith. Now, Jordan, 
quite the good rider, but very often injured. Uh, and look, in the last few years, his, his pro circuit Kawasaki days were ended, you know, for this season based on the fact that the first year he was on the team, he had an ACL injury and only rode a couple of races. Uh, and then the second year he had a shoulder injury and only rode a couple of races. So he's he's on the recovery path again. He's had a shoulder reconstruction based on that dislocation that he had in Supercross last year. Uh, so he's on his return ride as well. So all of those guys that we've just run through, it'll be interesting to see how they actually fare at this first round and if they're actually you know, completely ready to be on the start line or not. Some of them will be, some of them won't be, some of them will be sort of somewhere in the middle and, and their fitness might not be quite there from a race point of view. A lot of them haven't had many gate drops obviously in recent times, um, so they might be a little bit rusty on that aspect as well. So there's a bit going on for those guys and look to look forward to for the East Coast um, and hopefully by subbing out those West Coast guys, bringing in the East Coast guys, uh, we'll get some fresh life back into the story, but we will also potentially see a few injuries things as it's technically round one for the East Coast uh, this Saturday. Uh, so we'll have to see how that all plans out. Keeping in mind too, obviously there's a big change for the, the 450 guys. They're moving to the West Coast tracks now, changing their a lot of them changing their living arrangements from the West Coast. They're moving back to their homes in on the East, uh, riding different tracks during the week. So there might be a fair bit of, uh, you know, just adjustment period this week and we might see some issues or crashes because of that because maybe settings and stuff aren't quite where they need to be. So we'll have to see how that all plays out for all of these guys, um, you know, week to week. Now, interesting enough, I'm just getting some texts as we're doing this um, podcast for the Always Moto podcast about um, an injury that we've been looking into and haven't had any issues We've had a message back from Chase Falong, who's been dealing with some ankle issues since about, oh, what was that, about Anaheim 2. He's been trying to see doctors, get MRI scans and CTs and stuff, and hasn't been able to get anything sorted out uh, to confirm his diagnosis just as yet. But I've checked in with him again. It's been a couple of weeks since, weeks since I last spoke to him. But it seems that he, uh, what's it say here? He's been seeing a few different doctors, doing a few different types of images uh, to see what was wrong. He has a sprained foot and a sprain and a fractured heel sprained fracture and fractured ankle with a piece of bone chipped off and a fully torn ligament um, and all fluid surrounding it so look that that information is pretty heavy the main part of that uh, is that that stands out to me is the fractured heel and that's going to be an issue that will take him quite some time to get over the heel has again we talk about poor blood flow to certain areas of the body for repair type of um, you know from injury recovery aspects and and the heel is one of those ones that takes forever to get back from um so hopefully he can get some stuff sorted out there and 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 potentially that piece of bone that's floating around too also get it removed and and that torn ligament hopefully reattached some somehow somewhere maybe even needing it to be you know re replaced with they have a lot of these uh, artificial and synthetic type um, implants now that they can use for for ligament repair so it'd be interesting to see how that all pans out we'll have to get a few more messages from him and see what his plan is um, moving forward with all that stuff too now let's move on a couple of teasers uh we've mentioned it before we we, we might be getting uh, richard taylor to come onto the show in a couple of weeks time depending on how he goes with his recovery from that uh, arm fracture that we've run through already we might also be able to get some talks with the PC guys. Now I've I've reached out to their their PR team, 
uh, trying to get both Joe and Seth, uh, Seth Hamaker, onto the show. Um, so we'll see how that pans out. Hopefully, fingers crossed, that works out and we can give you some guys some interesting content with some high-profile high guys. The other one that we've been talking to, um, he's got in touch with us. He's been dealing with some, doesn't sound like some very nice injuries. We still don't really know exactly what what he's been dealing with, but he's been going through multiple surgeries, and that's Joey Crown. Um, so Joey was meant to be racing the Paris uh, Supercross back in, what was that, November, October, November. Um, but he had an injury before that, and he has been in a bad way ever since. But he sounds like he's had another surgery just in recent recent days and is hopefully going on the improve again. But he said to us that he will get in touch with us probably also in a couple of weeks' time when he's feeling a bit more up to it. And hopefully we can get him on the show as well. So, you know, hopefully there's some interesting content coming your way, guys, about these riders that you probably haven't heard from for a little while because of these injuries. Uh, and we can, especially in, in Joe Shimoda's case, hopefully find out what the hell was going on there with these updates and what he actually did with the injury. So that will be kind of cool. So look forward to those things. Hopefully I can bring that to you. Um, and I don't just sound like a, um, you know, like a, a promise, promising all this stuff and never delivering. We'll see how it works out. All right, guys. Last little bit we're going to run through. It's the Always Moto Fantasy League on Pulp MX. Um, we've got a fair few members going in. This is the last week to join before we close the comp, and that way we can then lock in our guys that are all following the supporters of this uh, league. That is. Goat Brand MX and False in uh, False Neutral Industries. Those guys have popped up some prizes. So once we close this comp, everybody needs to be following those two pages to be eligible for the prizes. Um, so, but it's been going pretty well, honestly. There's been a lot of chatter about the results uh, from everybody in there. It's been a bit of fun talking, a bit of smack about how things have gone. Um, you know, dissing on the teams and and saying we did shit and all that sort of stuff. It's also funny to see where each and everyone is actually finishing off into the rounds. Now, just for everyone's awareness, we've got a few little, um, you know, interesting in people in the in the comp. We obviously have, we obviously have the guys from Goat Brand, um, which is Nate, and he's uh, in in <laughs> running a bit late, a bit low in the in the in the totem pole. Uh, he's uh, running twenty fifth. He's get to the chopper is his username. We've also got, and I mentioned this the other week, we've got Clinton, um, who's three laps down, who's actually does, does a lot of stats on Instagram for the for the races, and he's also in the NBC uh, broadcast team helping them out with stats, so that's pretty cool that he's in our comp. We've also got uh, Racing for the Sun, which is TJ from uh, Moto X Pod Show, so that's pretty cool that he's joined our comp as well. His son is actually... Well, his son actually had a bit of a bump in his training as well, but um, recently had a crash. But he's um, trying to get his points through from that Supercross Futures program, and he, he said to us that he's he's aiming for him to be out on track in the pro class by Daytona, I think it was. So that's pretty cool. He's busy busy guy by the sounds of it with the podcast and jobs and keeping the sun on track. So it's pretty cool that he's there, but he's in our comp as well. So it's racing for the sun. We've also got um, Aaron from uh, Full Noise, uh, one of the con contributors there. He's in in the comp. He's in 21st. Um, didn't say where TJ was. He's in 14th. He's doing not too bad. He's just behind me. I'm in 12th, which is, <laughs> look, I'm, I'm okay with it. I've been getting over 200 each round, so, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it, but 12 still sucks. And then we've got, uh, who else have we got in here? Oh, where is, there he is. Ah. Uh, in 16th place in PUP275, that's our false neutrals uh, hookup there. So 
Uh, Anthony's doing all right as well in the comp there. But look, leading us away this after round six, he's jumped up a position. It's Jack Youngblood. Uh, and GMC 230's dropped to second. He's only, what's that, 11 points down. And then we've got Scrub and MBW. Now, if anyone doesn't know what Scrub and MBW actually stands for, go and Google it. I'm not going to tell you. It's pretty funny. I had to look it up. Goddamn people in their um, <laughs> handles on these bloody names and stuff. But that's that was funny. He's running third, uh, and he's only f- uh, four points back of second. So, look, the top three is in there. Remembering that first place is for the GOAT brand MX socks. Second place is for the false neutral hat. And third place is the false neutral sunnies. So, look, there's a bit on the line here, guys. We've got to keep up your game. Keep, in the, keep getting those uh, teams together and trying to pick the best ones you can. Obviously, things go sideways. My team went sideways when Nate Thrasher went down and only got, I think it was zero or nine point, maybe it was nine that he ended up getting for that uh, shitty position that he ended up finishing because he couldn't finish the race. Thanks, Jalik. Um, but, uh, but yeah, look, the teams and that are, are pretty interesting to, to put together. So it's a bit of fun. But when you do put your teams together, guys, before the race, what I want you guys to do Post up your teams, tag Always Moto, tag Goat Brand MX, and tag False Neutral Industries. Just so we're spreading that love between the guys that are supporting it, but we also then get to see who everybody's picking and talk some smack on whether we think that's a good pick or not. So look, just just increase the fun, guys. Increase the engagement. Uh, it's nice that you guys have all joined into the comp. I'm, I'm appreciative of that. Um, and look, if we can keep going, keep going with this thing and get more people into it, um, like I said, we're going to close the, the comp for the Supercross, but if we can get more people interested in joining the comp for outdoors, I'm going to talk to a few more people. I've got a few things in the pipe works in the next few weeks that I've got some bigger companies talking to um, for support for lots of different aspects for the stuff that I've been doing. But maybe we can get some uh, some more interesting prizes along the way for outdoors too. So look, hopefully some uh, some building in that aspect too. But yeah, look guys, get into it. Enjoy the comp. Um, post up your teams, tag all three sites, Always Moto, Goat Brand MX, and False Neutral Industries, and uh, have a bit of fun with it. Now, a couple of things I wanted to mention quickly here before we close out the show. Um, it helps me immensely. If you guys out there listening and following our Instagram account, when you see those injury updates from some different riders, tag me in their comments and say, hey, have you seen this? Nine times out of ten, I've seen it. But there's plenty of those guys that are fringe guys that I might not have come across their uh, Instagram profiles as yet, and I won't then see their information. But if you guys are tagging me, it just helps me get through that. Um, ben from uh, Ben, one of the followers, Grinley, uh, he is uh, is awesome at that, and we've been talking about the AC updates that are probably going to come out and find out what's happened to his knee after you hear this podcast, or probably potentially before it by the time I get it posted, which will suck, but. We've been talking about where that's up to, um, but he helps out a lot. And and uh, Santa Quad also, he he is useful at uh, tagging me and all this stuff too. So appreciate that from you guys. Um, but look, everybody out there, I want you doing it more often. What I'm hoping that then does too is that these writers start seeing that I'm tagged in a lot of their posts by other people, uh, and then they'll actually be like, oh, you know, we we do need to talk to this bloke. So then get us more content, more information for you guys. So it'll actually help you guys in the long run. So Please get out there, tag me in those uh, injury posts you see, uh, and then we can break down the injuries further. So that'll be awesome. What I'd also like to see then 
is if you guys have any injuries that you um, you know you want to know more about from these riders, send me some suggestions. DM me on Instagram. Um, and send me some suggestions that you want to hear more about or the injuries that you wanted me to try and talk to these guys about because I just want some input from you guys on where this show needs to go to as well. So help me out with that stuff. Uh, it'll be just, you know, make this make this even more enjoyable for you guys to listen to and you'll be up to date as best we can. It'll also help with those fantasy picks. But that's it for this week, guys. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Instagram. It's, all, it's at alwaysmoto always.moto jeez I buggered that up pretty good it's Instagram it's at always.moto there we go got it in one <laughs> and if you want to support the show um, email me it's alwaysmoto2019 at gmail.com if you guys can like and subscribe to the podcast I'd really appreciate it or help us keep the ratings up and get some more listeners if it's possible on the app that you're listening to this through leave us a rating uh, that will also help us build up on those old stupid algorithms that all these social places use. Um, so, yeah, leave us a rating, like and subscribe to the podcast, and you'll hear more of us uh, next week. And remember, guys, to be smooth and fast, because if you're not, I'll be seeing you in the emergency department.